0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer here today, and we will continue our series on the Wisdom Clinic. Father, thank you for your holy and mighty word. I ask you to equip and energize your servant with your mighty and holy word. We pray that the Spirit who anointed, protected, that word will anoint and give revelation of it in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank all of you for your prayers, for our health. We have continued to. Our pastoral ministry, I thank Dina and Pastor Jeremiah for their prayers this week. I was, uh, I hit a wall, had some uh, weakness, and uh, the Lord, by His grace, sustained me, lifted me back, got me back. Uh, doing what I'm supposed to do. And I give him thanks for that. We're talking about true wisdom that can only come from God. You know, there's something that flows out of wisdom and is called perspective. God's wisdom is the ability to see things the way God sees them. It's a top-down view, if you will, that comes from from being able to see things the way God sees them, but you know there is a partner with wisdom that's inseparable from wisdom, and it's called understanding or perspective. And perspective is the ability to process issues and events from an overall biblical view, an overall biblical view, not pulling a couple of verses out of context here and there, but the ability, perspective is the ability to have a, a top-down, long-range view over issues and events. And how many of you know life happens? And it can be very difficult. Life can and will hit you like a truck sometimes. You live long enough, that is going to happen. Jesus said, in this world... You will have thlipsis, tribulation, pressure, difficulty, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You're not going to get to skip it, but I'm going to be right there with you and give you victory over anything you have to face. What a wonderful and comforting word that is. Wisdom, the ability to see things the way God sees them. Perspective, the ability to process events, issues that come along to all of us uh, from God's perspective, from His overall view of His Word. We, We found out that wisdom is so important to God in Proverbs 4. He says in verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Nor forsake her wisdom. She will preserve you. Love wisdom, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. James one tells us like this that if we need wisdom and we do, ask God anybody let anybody who wants wisdom ask God, and it will be given to him or her as long as you ask in faith without any doubt God wants you to be able to see things the way he sees them from his perspective get wisdom you know sometimes in the church we forget who the epitome of wisdom is Colossians 2 3 says that in Jesus Christ there is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and power 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that for all of those of us who are believers, we have the mind of Christ deposited in us when we're reborn by the Holy Spirit. So it's not that we don't have access to wisdom, it's that sometimes we don't do what Proverbs 9.10 says. You know what not Proverbs 9.10 says? We ought to all know it off the top of our head. That is the beginning of wisdom, the very root of wisdom is the fear of God. Unfortunately, in our culture, the fear of God seems to be something that's not talked about much anymore. It doesn't mean to be scared of Him so that you run from Him. Fear means a holy reverence and a respect for Him so that you run to Him. It is recognizing His Lordship, recognizing that He's God and we're not. It is a holy reference. It is recognizing that all that we are and have, that's any good, has come from him. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul said, apart from the Lord, I am nothing. It is not wrong for us to say that, Father, apart from you, I am nothing, I can do nothing, and there's no good thing that has come my way that hasn't been a gift from heaven. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our Father of light. So, So many times when we have issues and problems, one of the main things that we miss when we get all absorbed with the issues and problems, our own pain, our own anger our own frustration, our anxiety, we forget in the middle of that issue to go to God for perspective. When it's right on our plate, right, and we're right in the middle of those issues, we forget to look to the Lord and get perspective on those issues. We forget. When it's bearing down on us, Ephesians 1 says that every spiritual blessing in heavenly places belongs to you in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you are holy and righteous and blameless and beloved and accepted and forgiven. You forget that Hebrews 4 says that you have a right to come boldly before the throne of grace. You have an audience before the King of kings and Lord of lords. When we're looking at the stuff in our world, we forget to look at the truth and to get perspective. To lift our eyes to the truth. We forget Philippians 4.13 says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We're ready for all things. We're equal to all things through him who infuses his inner life into us. We forget 1 John four, 4 Greater is he, the Lord Jesus, who is in, in us than he, the enemy, who is in the world. Greater is he in us. We forget Hebrews 13, 5, where the Lord says, I will never forsake you nor leave you. So that if we recognize, Lord, you're right here, right now, in the midst of my issues and my pain, you are right here and right now. Wisdom would tell us to get perspective, to get our eyes off of being absorbed in our issue. On to the truth of what God says about us and about our situation. How do you get perspective, Pastor? Number one, remember and rehearse whose you are. First Corinthians six, nineteen and twenty. What do you not know? If you're in Christ, you're not your own. This world don't want to hear this, but if you're in Christ, you don't have a right to try to determine and run your own life. You don't have a right to make decisions and say, this is the way it's going to be without consulting the one who owns you, who bought and paid for you his own blood. You've been ba- bought with a price, that scripture says, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are the Lord's. So what happens is I take on anxiety when I forget whose I am. When I begin to feel like that it's up to me to fix everything, when I begin to try to motivate everything to line up the way I want it to, when I begin to try to control and manipulate things and circumstances and people to be the way I want it to, when that happens, anxiety comes because I forget whose I am. We are not our own. Turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. And I want to show you a powerful passage of scripture about perspective. Colossians chapter 3. Comes after Philippians. Beginning with verse 1. If you have been raised up with Christ, and in God's eyes you were, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. In other words, change your perspective from being enslaved with what has got you by the throat and begin to think about where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God and set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, remember last time we met? In God's eyes, you and I were crucified with Christ, buried with him, raised with him. So in God's eyes, when Jesus was raised, you were too. That's where you're, listen, that's where our citizenship is. That's where we are going to live forever. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Remember that all the affairs of this life are temporal. They're going to pass away. Your real citizenship, where you're going to belong and live forever, is where Christ is right now. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know how in the world I would ever begin to think, set my mind on things above where Christ is. Well, you know, uh, maybe you want to start with the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth like it's being done in heaven. Would to God he would tell us what's going on in heaven. You know, that would be a great question for us to get some more perspective in the affairs of this earth. How are you seeing this, Father? Tell me how you're seeing it. Let me know, O oh God. What's going on in heaven so that I may understand what you're up to? Through prayer and through the ministry of the Word. Through the voice of the Holy Spirit. Help me to know what's on your mind, what you want to do. Romans 14, 8 lets us know beyond any shadow of a doubt whose we are. The Lord reminded me of this when Bryant passed to be with the Lord. For whether we live... We live to the Lord. And whether we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Why don't you make a confession of truth in line with the Scripture today, right now? Say it with me. I belong to the Lord. And will forever be His. So to get perspective, the first thing we've got to do, especially when we get all these problems and situations, and we need to remember whose we are. You know all the stuff you're fooling with right now? Have you ever stopped and thought about that all that you are and all that you have belongs to the Lord? When that business has got you by the throat, do you ever stop and say, Lord, this is your business, this is where you put me. Forgive me for acting like it's mine. Show me what you want me to do as a steward, not an owner. Show me what to do as a steward, not an owner. This is your business. All the issues of it, all the value, all, all the, the resources of it, it's all yours. I let go of it. Show me how to handle this business. I ask you for wisdom and perspective. It's yours. You can stay up all night, night after night after night, trying to figure it out. But the first thing you ought to do is to recognize whose it is. Pray about how God wants you to make investments. Pray about how he would lead and guide you in in decisions as it relates to your business, your practice, your your, your life, your children, your grandchildren, recognizing whose you are. Are and when you recognize whose you are, you recognize the truth of Second Corinthians five ten. I don't have it on your outline, you may want to write it down. Do you know what the Bible says? It says that all of us individually, that's you, Joe, that's me. That's you, Sharon. All of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And then that verse says, in order that you may render an account for your works. Wow. You might, if you don't like that one, you can just tear that one out, but it's not going to change anything. I, you, Scott, Billy, but I, you, Jim, Ron, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You don't hear that preach much anymore, do you? that we may give an account for our works. Do you know what that means? God is not going to say to you, "Why didn't you fix your son?" Why didn't you fix your daughter? Why didn't you fix that business? Why didn't you fix that pastor you don't like so much? What? No, your son, your daughter, your pastor are going to give an account of themselves before the Lord. Not you. If you really recognize who you are, you'll quit trying to fix everything and everybody. Because you you belong to Him, whose you are. You're a servant. Hallelujah. What does that mean, Pastor? How do I well humble yourself. Admit you don't know how to do everything. Admit you don't know how to fix everything. Admit that you're totally dependent on him to whom you belong, who bought you and paid for you, and who is your God. And you're not going to stand for anybody else, just you. I can't stand for Dina. She can't stand for me. We're going to give an account. Recognize who we are. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Recognize that if you'll humble yourself and quit trying to make everybody know you're right, if you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you and promote you. Try that sometime when you're in a disagreement. Just humble yourself and say, you know, I've never really chosen to look at it that way. Maybe I need to do some thought on this. When you remove a log out of the fire, uh, the word says, for lack of kindling, the fire goes out. You might want to take a few logs out of that fire of turmoil. Secondly, not only remember who's, to get perspective, remember whose we are. God, I'm yours. You bought and paid for me. I belong to you. And I, whether I live or die, i live or die to you. Fact, I will give an account. Secondly, remember and rehearse who is not only to whom you belong, but who's in control. Proverbs 423 says it like this watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of your life. You know what's in your heart? is what comes in mostly through the gate of your mind. What's in your heart is what, you, what mostly comes in through the gate of your mind. What I'm trying to tell you is if when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit came in to live in your spirit, he is the spirit of truth. He will teach you and guide you into all the truth. But you've also got to remember that whatever we listen to and look on and gaze at most of the time is going to come into our heart And it's going to pollute the truth of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to everybody who will listen to me. Watch your sources and the amount of time that you use in information. You can have righteous anger, but if it's not quickly released to the Lord, that even righteous anger initially will pollute and hurt your spirit, man, if you go on and on carrying anger around. It's counterproductive. So watch the sources and the amount of information you're getting outside of what you know is the truth, the Word of God. Jesus said it, John 17, listen to me, believers. The authority of the truth is the Word of God. Jesus said, thy Word is. Right, turn with me over to there that passage you all know by heart, but I want you to look at Romans eight. Romans eight, we all know, and we've quoted so many times. Romans eight, Romans eight twenty eight. Remember who's in control. You know something that's sometimes missed on this passage <clears throat> is the ability of God. To use what he doesn't initiate. You see there, there are some ditches. On the side of when you say sovereignty. When you hear the word sovereignty. Some people believe that if it happened it was God's desire. No. But if it happened, and you know him, and regardless of the pain it caused you, he can help you by his grace to get, not only get through it, but he can actually, in the end, in, in, in the grand scheme of your life, he can use what he didn't initiate to bring glory to himself and favor to you. That's sovereignty. That's a big God. That God Almighty can take everything, can work together all things and cause it to turn out for good for His glory and your good. Do you believe that? When you're right in the middle of incredible pain, it is so difficult. To, to think, how in the world is God going to bring this to work together for good? Well, look at verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. There's the kicker. To those who love God and to those who are called According to his purpose. Do you love him? Do you love God? Are you called to be his son or daughter? And have you submitted to his purpose in your life? Well, God Almighty is so mighty and so strong that he is able to take everything that you experience, he's able to take every choice that anybody has made that has hurt you, he's able to take any of your own self-inflicted wounds, and if you are called according to his purpose, God can cause all of those things to work together for your good. Pastor, I don't know how he could do that. That's why he's God, and you're not. God is at work to cause all things to work together for good to those who love him. And he's able to cause all things. He is able to perfectly accomplish his ultimate will and purpose at the same time giving man a free will. That is sovereignty. See, there are some who think, well, you know, it happened. It must have been what God wanted. Do you understand? Again, I want to say this again. God allows certain things because of the free will of man created in his image and likeness. But I want you to know something. Grace is greater than any sin or pain. God is able to ultimately, not immediately, but God is able to ultimately bring all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. What does that mean? You've got to have both tracks on the railroad now or you'll have a wreck. If you say, well, if it happened, it was God's desire, it was God's plan, that's fatalism. That's not sovereignty. That means if it happened, God just wanted it to happen. Then you make God akin to sin. God is greater than all the evil choices of men. God is greater than all of the evil desires and designs and works of the devil himself. Remember what we read last time, that the devil and his agents stirred up those who would crucify Jesus to destroy anything and everything he stood for. And the word says that had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God is so mighty and so great that he takes even the evil schemes of the devil and makes them turn out for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The devil don't have control of your life if you belong to Jesus. The devil don't have the ultimate control over your son and daughter, your practice, your business, your health. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to the Lord. Whether you live, you live to the Lord. Whether you die, you die to the Lord, you or he is pastor how do I know what God wants every time this is the truth And I know during this pandemic, a lot of you have been listening to a lot of different voices. Well well and good, you listen to whoever you choose to. But once you get outside of the Word of God, you better be careful. The enemy has stirred up people all over the place. Even people in places of Christian leadership. I'm telling you, if you get off the Word of God, you don't have an objective source of truth. So remember and rehearse who is in control. Regardless of what you're going through right now, be it, be whatever it is, the pain you're going through, understand, submit yourself, I am your child, I'm your daughter, I'm your son, and I have been called to your purpose in my life. And your purpose in my life, listen, 1 First, First Corinthians 3 is very, very, very appropriate here. I believe it's verse 18. The reason you are here is to be conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. Not to fix everything. Not to make everybody happy. But to be conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus. That's your purpose. And once you get outside your purpose, you're going to be in Stress. Remember whose you are. Remember and rehearse who is in control. And last, remind yourself that what you see right now is not all that's going on. See, God is at work. I love it for Philippians two thirteen. God is at work, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. When you see everything sliding away from what you've prayed and desired to happen, you got to come back and say, Lord, I've come before the throne of grace. I've stood on the word of God here, and I believe that regardless of what I see or don't see, you are at work in this situation, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And I don't care what the lab report says, I don't care what Johnny says, I don't care what who says what. You are at work, and I believe and stand on it. I believe your word. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as we close today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Do you see something powerful Here. Second Corinthians chapter 4, we see in verse 7, Paul's talking about God shining, and by the way, if you wanted a scripture about our only purpose here is verse 18 of chapter 3 of Cor- uh, 2 Corinthians 3, Second Corinthians 3, 18, we're being transformed into the image of God from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. We're being conformed into His image and likeness. Verse 7, but we have this treasure. Even though the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of the believer, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Do you know what that means? It means when you're running out of gas, you've got to pull over and get fuel. It means you got to get your covenant partner and... You're the the prayer minister of the church to pray for you. I don't care who you are. You can be the pastor or whatever. You can't do all this by yourself and succeed. Do you understand that? God didn't design you to make it by yourself. He put you in a body of believers if you're listening. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the power may be of God and not of us. (laughs) We are, verse 8, we are hard pressed on every side. You ever feel like you got so much pressure on you that it's coming from everywhere? Your business, your family, your body, your money, your relationships. I mean, it's just, you're just being pressed from every side. That's what the apostle's talking about. We are hard pressed, squeezed. From every side. That's not all. Look at what he says next in verse 8. We are perplexed. You know what that means? We're confused. We don't get it. This is the man that wrote 13 books of the New Testament. And he says, I'm in a place right now that I don't get it. We've been there, haven't we, Joe? Perplexed. But not in despair. Hallelujah, not in despair. Persecuted, people have spoken against us. People have tried to undo what we're trying to do. We have enemies, we're being persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I may be down, but I'm not out. Can you say amen? Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that is, Lord, I submit my own dreams and plans, the feelings of the flesh. I come to the cross, and I recognize that at the cross, in your death, I died too. And you broke the power of my own fleshly desires, and, and, and you You let you destroyed their tyranny over me. I submit to your life in me, that your, your life may be manifested while I'm going through this suffering you going through suffering right now? Are you praying that Jesus would be manifested in you? Scott Griffin sent me something yesterday. It was powerful. It said, your brokenness will become your ministry. Your resolution will eventually become your testimony. You'll be able to tell people what God did for you in that pain. Do you understand that sometimes the greatest fruit you ever bear, sometimes the greatest, most powerful testimony that you ever give, sometimes your ministry to other hurting people is is taken to another level when you're suffering yourself. Because when you're suffering yourself and you commit it to the Lord, then you have a fellowship with Jesus that you've not had before. There's a fellowship in his sufferings. Some of you are suffering for family members. I want to tell you, nobody suffers like the Lord does for his sons and daughters. So you've got a wonderful opportunity now to draw near to Jesus. To trust him with the hurts and pains and the and all the issues that you see. To ask him for his perspective. Recognize this. Recognize this. That what we see in the flesh is not all that's going on. Let's go down a little farther in that verse, verse in that chapter, verse 17. For our light affliction. Wait a minute now. The apostle calls verses 8 and 9 light affliction. I wouldn't. I'd be jumping up and down saying, boy, this hurts. But our light affliction is but for a moment. Now notice what he says next. Our light affliction is working for us. How many of you got up this morning thinking, man, this affliction I'm in is working for me. Zero hands. Our light affliction is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know what that affliction is doing if you commit it to the Lord? It's, making you, it's taking you to another level of being able to reflect the glory of your Savior. But it only happens when we obey verse 18, don't stop there, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but we gaze, we look at the things which are not seen, the things before the throne of God, not what you're seeing and hearing. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, God and His throne are eternal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a word. Everybody say this with me. My pain right now is temporary. All my issues are temporary. I will focus on those things that are eternal. I belong to my God. He is at work to will and to do of His good pleasure. Regardless of what I see, I trust in the unseen That my God is at work to answer my prayer. The things which are, if you can see it, it'll pass. God has chosen to love you eternally, He's chosen to live with you eternally. He's chosen to be your strength when you don't believe you can take another breath or another step. Joseph was despised by his family, his siblings. There was so much hate among the siblings that they dug a pit one day and lured Joseph Threw him in a pit and then eventually sold him for money to Egyptian traders. Sold him for money. He took the place of a servant, but he served. He served so profoundly that he began to get. He was falsely accused of assaulting another man's wife. He ran for his life. He was thrown into prison when he was caught. And in prison, his attitude and his actions were so profound that they began to be noticed. And over time, God put Joseph second in command of the Pharaoh of Egypt. Moses thought he was doing his people a favor, Phil, when he slew an Egyptian taskmaster who was beating a Jewish man. When it was discovered There was a warrant put out by the Egyptians to get Moses. He fled for his life to the land of Midian. His life was over, he thought. One day he saw a bush out on a hill, and it burned and burned and burned, but was not consumed. He said, I think I'll turn aside and see this thing that is, I've never seen anything quite like this so He wandered over to that hillside and looked at that bush that burned and burned and burned. And God spoke to him. And he said, I'm going to send you back to Egypt. What was that, Lord? I'm going to send you back to Egypt. You will stand before Pharaoh and I'm going to use you to deliver my children after being there 420 years. What a mess. But out of that mess, God brought forth a mighty hero that you're going to meet one day in heaven. <laughs> Boy, Daniel was in a mess. Pagan, pagan Babylonian kings had taken over. He had seen his own cohorts Go into a fiery furnace and yet be miraculously delivered. But he was told, if you don't obey what the king says to do, and oh, fall down and worship him, you will be executed. He said, well, so be it, but I will not. Go back on the covenant I have with my gun. And out of being thrown into a den of hungry lions, when it was about to be over, God got into the room, he came into that room of fire, dispatched one like unto the Son of God, delivered him, he was promoted right next to the king and the king even declared that all should bow down and worship the God of Daniel. We could go on and on. What I'm trying to tell you is this. In your furnace of fire. In that fiery time of trial. Heartache. Disappointment. Pressure. There's a God. That is in there with you. Not only will he deliver you. But he's going to take you. Into a new realm. Of authority. And fruit bearing victory like you've never seen before keep your eyes off of all the stuff that you see and keep them on the word of the living God let's go to the Lord in prayer perspective the ability to see issues and events And see what God is doing. And when we can't understand or discern what He's doing, trust Him that He's doing something. For His glory and your good. There is nothing or nobody out of the reach of the love and grace of God. Only those who would refuse to receive the gift. God will use you to be a testimony to have a ministry of how he brought you through just get in an intimate place with him repent of trying to handle it yourself Commit the end result to the Lord. That doesn't mean that you just pretend there's no issues. It means that you seek Him for the next right step. You say, Pastor, I've been seeking the next right step and I just can't seem to hear it. maybe the Lord may tell you what he told me just a few days ago in a decision that Dean and I needed to make As I sought to the Lord what do you want to do? The Spirit said wait wait and God did what only he could do the Lord's saying to you today in the issues of your life I'm at work until I tell you the next right step wait on me I've got this I've got this it's perspective perspective partners with God's wisdom whose you are who's in control recognizing that he's at work beyond what you see Father we pray that the word of God spoken by your spirit would take deep root in our hearts and minds bear mighty fruit in the precious and holy name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's all stand and sing Victory in Jesus as we go today. Sing it together. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.